Hey everybody and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. I'm Gray. Josh is with me today. Josh, good afternoon. I always pause with you because you're three hours behind me and I don't want to like say good afternoon when it's actually like 11 in the morning where you are. But but it's 127. Like it's it's afternoon. I, 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 I saw it like as I was pausing. I was like, okay, I can go ahead here. Anyway, um... We're going to talk about City for a while. Uh, we don't, just as a prelude to this episode, we don't really have an outline. We don't have um, a, a clear, a, a clear um, lay of the land here. But I think that what we're going to do is we're going to talk mainly about two things, which is one being City's Champions League form, and two being the Liverpool game. So well, we're just going to go in that direction and see where it leads us. We've never, I don't think we've ever, ever, ever been the uh, tightest, most efficient Manchester City podcast on the internet, so we're going to live up to our uh, our reputation here today. We are. Uh, um, so let's get started. As we record this, the most recent City game that we have seen was the 2-1 win over Hoffenheim in the Champions League on Tuesday, which seems like 800 years ago now, as we record this. Um... It was, and, and, and taking this in stride with the other City Champions League performance, which was the 2-1 home loss to Lyon, um, they weren't super convincing at Hoffenheim. They should have had a penalty to go up 2-1. They ended up going up 2-1 and winning 2-1 anyway, but it was not, you, you know, you don't sit there and, you know, wow, that was, that was one of those performances where they were just battering them the whole time but couldn't find the breakthrough. No, it was actually pretty even, and um, if Hoffenheim had gotten a point, I couldn't have sat there and said it was unlucky. So, but the, my, my, my theory with the City Champions League performances doesn't apply to away games, so it doesn't really work here. Um, but I, I, it was a thought that I had a while back, and I'll get into it first. But, you know, before we get into that, because it's more relating to home games and the uh, the fan feeling toward the Champions League, um, it's just... Has, has this team still not learned how to navigate the Champions League? Is that what we're dealing with here? Or is, is there something more in play? I mean, that's my frustration with it. Um... Look, and I said this, like people are going to come back to the refing decisions for Hoffenheim uh, the last game. And that's fine. That's fine. Do that. <laughs> I'm not saying that the ref wasn't bad in this case, but. Uh, <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> Why are City losing to Lyon? Well, we can go back to, you know, I, I, I posted about this immediately after that game. Um, and, and, and I have, a, <laughs> excuse me, I, I have some thoughts on, um, and I really don't want this to come off as critical because it's not, it's not meant to be critical. Um, hold on, let me let, I actually tweeted about it and I, I'm inclined to actually read the tweet like verbatim because I think I actually put it in um in, into a set of, of verbalizing that I won't improve upon if I'm just doing this off the cuff. So so this is a thread that I wrote on September nineteenth, which was the Dead Leon game and I'm gonna read it in entirety and we I want to uh I wanna see how how you react to it. Um so I guess you could call this a hot take if you want to, but <clears throat> the way I see it, I don't judge a single person for doing it, but the, antipath the antipathy toward UEFA and the Champions League in the stadium does impact the players, but as long as he continues to struggle, especially with questionable officiating, it will continue in an endless cycle, and City are a weird spot where the club desperately want one thing, which is the Champions League, and we've known that for years and years and years now, it's not a secret, where the fans really just want to dominate England. And that's also not a secret because I've seen a lot of people say it outright. It's just if we if we win the Premier League every year, I don't really care about anything else. So the European nights are weird. There's an ambivalence, and it's understandable to a degree. And I think it ultimately changes when the results come and when like the big games come. So if you remember a couple of years ago, the Eddie had I think it was it was very much up for the PSG game where they went through. They had a chance to go through against the perceived top team, um, but it's harder to get up for Lyon and so on a night like that the atmosphere is going to be a lot flatter than 
than normal. And again, I don't really blame anyone for feeling the way they do about this competition, but it's a competition I think the fans will take to once the team starts having success, but the success will be tougher to come by until everyone buys into it. And so it's just this cyclical thing that's never going to end until one thing or the other breaks. And I'm not sure what breaks at first. And I don't think it's solely this. I just want to be clear. But I absolutely do think that it is at least somewhat of a factor. Yeah, I, I, I think there is a big problem with having the energy, the, I don't know, you could even argue the history in this competition with some of these clubs, which is really, uh, you know, you start to build these healthy Champions League rivalries, uh, largely because you've been in the competition for so long. Um but uh, City haven't really – well, City fans haven't really to an extent, I don't think, gone out of their way to embrace the Champions League. I think that a lot of them are still trying to figure out how they feel about it as a competition, especially when, yes, it matters, but you don't – like, let, let's be real, dude. If you're City, which one do you want to win? Uh, you want to win the Premier League? Yep. And why? Because it's the Premier League. I mean, no, if no, you're the best no. Over thirty-eight matches. Yeah. Okay. That's that. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, but that's sure not the under, reason. I'm not sure where you're going with this, but I think ancestrally, from a fan standpoint, it's always been the thing. Like these city fans who've been cheering for the club for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. Um, you know, they've always been. You know, well, I mean, they haven't always been in top flight. But they've always been, you know, in in that competition, and the Champions League didn't even exist for for much of, of their of their supporting fandoms. And I think that there's there's sort of a perceived or perception that with the Champions League, everyone tells us to care, you know, more than we actually care. It's like we're supposed to believe this is prestigious. Um, more than we actually think it's prestigious. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not going to pass judgment on that. But I, that's the sense that I've always gotten. Yeah, I, I think for me, <laughs> what it is is this. You win a healthy sum by winning the Champions League, but you win a ridiculous windfall by winning the Premier League. That, to me, is what it comes down to. We are talking so much money. <clears throat> because... If you look at City, especially when they dominated the Premier League last year, if you go around and and you look at the money they pulled in, they had more top games on TV that were picked up and optioned because, well, let's face it, it's City Um, and Pep at their best. It's going to be picked up and optioned so that you get more games, which means you get more revenue – which means you can buy more players, reinvest in the club, re-sign people on your team. And they're revenue neutral now, at worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot to do with the TV money. Yeah, they're in the positive. Yeah, they're in the positive now. But uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I, I I think the money's the most important thing here. I don't think, you know, maybe for the club, but, you know, you also get a lot of money from Champions League. And I don't think the fans, you know, the fans don't, at large, don't really care about profit margins, if we're being honest. I think it's just an ancestral thing. I think that's what it comes down to. I think I think when you look at the Premier League, it was, you know, an unrealistic dream for so long, so many years. You know, if you're, if you, they won it in 68. And then for 40, 50 years, 40, 45, 50 years afterward, you know, it's just like, <laughs> ask a city fan in the 80s, would you like, you know, it's like, that would be, you know, that would be the pinnacle for me as a city supporter. If you win the Premier League once, that would, that would make my life. Um, and then they won it three times. And yet you, you still don't hear people saying, you know, if they win the Champions League, that would be it. That would be the top tier. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. But these, the, in general, the longer-term fans are not going to be sitting here saying, the day we win the Champions League, if we do it, that's just going to top it all off. No, it's already been topped off. 
Everything else is just gravy. Yeah. I think that's honestly, you know, they had the Aguero moment, and from that point on, it was, that's it. We're not topping that. And maybe we won't ever top that, even if they win the Champions League. Maybe someday they'll win the Champions League at a 4-1 canter, and it'll be great, but it will never be as memorable as that moment was. Um, especially when the circumstances involved Man United. Um, there's one thing that would get City fans to care about the Champions League, put City United in the fight together. It would also kill me, but... Um, put City and United in the final. Yeah, that would... I think that the incentive would suddenly rise a bit if that happened. Um, <laughs> if City... And United somehow made the final. Mm-hmm. Those would be the circumstances under which I could see City fans just. This is everything now. Yeah, <laughs> we we need this competition. Suddenly, I care a lot more about this than I care about um, whatever I cared about before. Um, yeah, it's just I think there's a bridge that will not be. Um, you know, a bridge, a gap that won't be bridged is what I was trying to say. There's, there's, there's a gap that's not going to be bridged until they either, you know, and they didn't take to it in 2016 when they went to the semifinal because in large part that run felt like a fluke, which we've talked about before. Um, it, it was just this sort of, you know, it was they, they beat Dynamo Kiev reasonably simple. Um, the PSG tie was exciting. It was, it was good, and uh, I, like I said, the second I think one, you. The PSG tie for me was trying to figure out where Qatari sports investment was compared to the Manchester City footballing group. Like that to me, it was it was it was the Middle Eastern rivalry that 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 these Middle Eastern countries and and royal families not just have, you know, I, I mean, these are real life rivalries. I mean, they're not like hate-filled or any – well, in some cases they are, but that's the but nature of a good rivalry. From a, they're not hate-filled from a fandom perspective. But if no, you, no, no, no. If, these, if you don't these, think that ownership of both those teams really wanted to get one over on the other, then you – Oh, yeah. You, you, don't, you don't know Middle Eastern politics. <laughs> like, like we, they, they would – like when City came out of that tie doing the jig, that was when KSI went out and were like, ah, we need Neymar. <laughs> like that was the direct reply. Think about that for a second. The direct reply to losing the city in the Champions League tie was for them to go out and buy Neymar. It got, it got that single-handedly got. I mean, was was it still uh, was it still Laurent Blanc at the time? I think it was. Yeah, Blanc. I think it did. And it, that uh, tie single-handedly got him sacked. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, because they won the league that year. I think they won everything else they could have won that year, but that tie alone got him set. Yeah, they won the domestic. I want to say they won the domestic quadruple. I want to say they won all the cups and they won the league. Yeah, they won. But there were three cups and a league that year. Yeah. Like, I, I think they won four the, different the competitions. Coupe, the Coupe de la Ligue, the Coupe de France, um, and I think they have their own Super Cup, and I think they won all of them. Yeah, so like they 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 so I don't I don't even high. know what the hell it is when you win five things. <laughs> but it was it was that tie that cost him his job. Um, <laughs> Which is funny because that was the tie that brought in Unai Emery, and then City balanced them out again with Unai Emery. Um, what? No, wait, City didn't play him with Unai Emery. No, uh, I haven't played PSG since then. Uh, was, that, that, the, next, the year after that was the Barca tie where they had yes. the, whatever, the 6-1 lead on aggregate. And blew That's it, what it was, yep. The new camp. Yep. Which, which almost got which was, fired after a year. Which, honestly, in my opinion, was one of the greatest soccer games I've ever witnessed. I couldn't watch it live because my power was out and I was at the library watching it on Twitter. Yeah. So I gave up uh <laughs> I gave up cable for a month uh or view because it got super expensive and I want I had to make a fiscal choice. I can get view back after this, but I had some stuff I could get taken care of or I could continue to watch view and I was like, "You know what? 
I'm just going to give up view for this month. So I'm going to live vicariously through you and buy all the Champions League games on uh, through Bleacher Report, which is actually a great setup, by it's the way. It's a nice thing for, for people who are already, you know, there. It's less than ideal for me who already watch, you know, who, who, who just watch them on Fox and don't really do the streaming thing. But, you know, I don't – I'm not – I. It's not a business model that I'm going to say as much as some other people have. I, I kind of, I'm kind of a big fan of it. I like the fact that if I, I if you don't, people like you, and I'm not a cord cutter. A lot of people are cord cutting. I'm not there yet, but you know. Yeah, I you know. could, dude. I cut my cord poof, like three years ago. We're moving into that era, and I accept that we're moving into that era, and people like me are quickly becoming relics. So, but but here's the thing, though. Like, I'm not sure that I saved money by cutting the cord. At the end of the day, like where I saved money was in equipment. It wasn't so much like I'm paying seventy two dollars for PlayStation View, but I still have to pay Internet. You can ditch cable all you want, but you still have to pay for Internet and modem. So you still have that charge. And then I've got PlayStation View. I've got Hulu. I've got Netflix. I've got Amazon Prime. I've got CBS On Demand. I've got HBO On demand i've got i had stars uh <laughs> i'm just gonna stop there you get the point like i'm not i'm not sure i've cut the cord yeah i i think that people overlook the amount of things that if you want to get a full platter of programming option that you have plus there's one thing one thing that stands out above all the reasons that makes it really flipping hard to uh, cut if you're a dynamic sports fan like you and I are. Yeah. 30 second delay. <coughs> yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. 30 second delay. Yeah. And especially if you do what I do, which is participate on larger discussions on Twitter because it's the world's largest chat room. Yeah, yeah, dude. I've watched plenty of games where even being like, I, I don't know if you know this, but um, Goal has uh, has Twitter account set up to automatically tweet when someone scores in a game, and I follow them all. Um, they they have one for each league, and they have one for the Champions League, so you can pick and choose your competitions. But they are always so instantaneous that even if I'm watching on NBCSN or wherever I happen to be watching the game. They're always like a good five seconds ahead of of when you actually see it happen on TV. And some of the writers do it too. Like Stu Brennan will tweet out the goals and stuff, and it's usually a split second ahead of when you actually see it on TV because we're on another continent, which I'm sure has something to do with it. Um, but I don't necessarily mind it. You can either, you know edge up on your seat and watch the move or brace yourself depending on who it is um so it's not really a huge issue for me and if i really hate it i can just not look but it is definitely a spoiler and it's helpful for games potentially like the one we're going to be talking about in a little mm -hmm. yeah exactly um <laughs> so i don't mind it on its on its face but i do mind you know it's 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 not a, it's not it's not a catch all bad thing for me, but it is absolutely something, and that's just five seconds. I couldn't imagine being thirty seconds. That's when it gets frustrating. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so typically, that expensive. happens with college football stuff, yeah. and and I'm just like, <laughs> it's gotten better. The view has done a better <laughs> job with it, but there's still plenty of instances where you just you realize how far behind you are and you kind of have to set your Twitter feed up for a delay. Yeah. And it's almost like, dude, $10 to the person who can come up with the app that like sets your Twitter timeline delayed for how many ever seconds you estimate you are behind something happening. And so your 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 feed turns normal, but it's got that thirty second delay or forty second delay before it shows you stuff. Like we surely 
<laughs> somebody can invent that and make it go widespread. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But it's it's just one of those things that we are dealing with in growing in growing number. Um but but back to the Champions League, I just you know, this was supposed to be an easy group for them, and it may still turn out that way. We got four games left. Um They've already played what may end up being the second toughest game in it, which was Hoffman away. The toughest is probably going to be Leon away. Um, they haven't played Shakhtar yet, but that, that can be a tough trip. But that can be, but Shakhtar largely picked no, over. It's not the team that that used to that used to be. Um, and they'll be playing them presumably with a full strength side this year, whereas they sort of punted that away game last year because they were already threw. Um, but, you know, it, it may still end up being an easy group for them, but I think, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. It's, 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 I mean, against Lyon, their midfield was just more, just more wide open than the Grand Canyon. Just uncharacteristic for them. They were just going right through it. And Fernandinho had, you know, when Fernandinho has a bad game, hell tends to follow. Um, and... <laughs> And, and then and that is what happened, and that's what happened in a couple other games early in the season. He just looked a little bit off the pace. He's been. Fernandinho's going to be the weak link this year, isn't he? Uh, he's going to be the inconsistent link, I would say. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it really bears, bears wide open the failure to sign Jorginho, and how we're now seeing them talking about signing guys in January, because I think they know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and this is the thing, dude, like, if that's going to be the case, then just do it. Like, sometimes I feel like waiting for the January window can help you. And I talked to, I talked to you a little bit about this when we, we discussed City yesterday, and I mentioned sort of the way the, the, the Johnny Evans-West Brom situation went down where it looked like City were going to go after Johnny Evans, but West Brom just simply wanted too much for somebody who was just – on the wrong side of 30. Um, and, and, uh, for, for whatever reason, you know, just in that l- period of languish, uh, uh, a Laporte was like, Hey, um, I've rethought my previously really odd decision and I want the hell out of Bill Bow. At that point, athletic knew, all right, City need a defender badly. Um, they're going to feel a hell of a lot more comfortable splashing around the kind of cash West Brom were potentially looking at uh, for a guy like Laporte. Uh, it's fair for Athletic to ask that much for a guy like Laporte, and City went and broke their transfer record on Laporte. And then subsequently went and broke it again on Mares. But... Uh, I, I don't know, dude. I, I, what, I, question: What do you, what do you come down on Mares right now? Getting starting, to, starting, starting to, starting to find himself. Yeah. Yeah, we're starting to see it. Um, getting there. You know, he scored twice against. I think it was Cardiff, who, by the way, are awful and should already be preparing for the championship next season. Um, and you know. You can sit here and say, well, it was Cardiff. They're probably going to finish bottom. Yeah, maybe that's true. But you got to start scoring sometimes. count the same, and confidence boosts are confidence boosts. So I'm not really going to sit here and nitpick that. Yeah, I think he's getting there. I think that, Le- you know, the big thing is that Leroy Sane looks like himself again. Um, it's just, it's going to make, you know, rotation hard. I, I fully expect to see Sane against Liverpool and Mars on the bench. Um, I would I would actually start Sané and Mares because of the Sterling factor. Yep. I do not blame you one bit, but I do. Sorry. I don't. No, I don't blame you one bit, and I'm not disinclined to agree with you. But I think Sterling will start just because he's been such an important player for them in the last month or so. Uh, I just don't like it. Sterling hasn't committed his long-term future to the club. He doesn't really have a large amount of success against Liverpool. I love Raheem Sterling. I want him to stay at the club going forward. I don't necessarily think that's his ambition. Um, 
and I don't blame him for it. I think some guys just see themselves one day at a Barcelona or Real Madrid. That's where they want to be in. And there's no reason to knock a player who wants to end up on one of those clubs. I mean, shit, just look at Real's haul over the last three years. You know? <clears throat> but, uh. It hasn't really been established that Madrid want Raheem Sterling. We've heard things here and there. But we're certainly not at the level where, like, Barcelona clearly want Paul Pogba. We're not there yet. Maybe we'll get there, but we're not there yet. You know, Barcelona Barcelona have no real need for Sterling because they already possess a product that is 20 times better than yeah, Sterling, I mean, I my if, opinion. If one of those teams, it's going to be real. Yeah, I, I, I just – I don't see Raheem Sterling – supplanting Usman Dembele. I, I just don't do Usman Dembele is just a ridiculous goal scorer. He's got ridiculous pace. Uh, he's just, he's a lot better on the ball than Raheem Sterling, which sounds kind of odd to say, because that's one of the things Raheem Sterling does well. Um, I just rate Usman a little bit higher. Uh, no shame. I'd still take Sterling. I just rate Usman a little bit higher, but if Sterling's going to leave, Oh, man, I would love to have Dembele. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave. It sounds like he just wants to be paid with the De Bruyne's and Aguero's of the world and sit here balking at that for the moment. And not necessarily wrongly. I mean, maybe you'd argue that it's, you know, it's an intense I don't know, dude. high demand to get them. But, you know. I don't, I don't know how, I, I don't know that he hasn't earned what Kevin De Bruyne has earned. I, I just. I still think he'll sign. That's if I'm going on the record right now. I still think he'll sign. You do? Yes. Perhaps controversial, but... Hmm. I don't sense acrimony right now. I don't sense acrimony. I've just kind of felt like these two sides seem to have been really far apart. There seems to be a big chasm between maybe what Sterling wants and where City view him slash feel comfortable paying. I mean, I understand that they can't just pay people, but the dude did just put 22 goals in net in all competitions last season. I mean, what do you want from him? No, yeah, I think he had like 15 the year before. Fuck, you know, broke his... Uh, Broke his own personal record. The development's there. He just hasn't had any game of consequence against Liverpool. None. Not one. Not a single thing. No impact. If anything, he's been frustrated to no end. And I'm just not sold that he's the right guy to start against Liverpool. I'm genuinely not. I'm not either, but Guardiola seems like the guy who's just going to go, look, you're playing well. Keep doing it. Tune out the noise and do it. And I don't know if that's the right decision, but I think that's the way it's going to go. <sighs> I'm going to hope not. I'm going to hope. It's fair. It's fair. This is it. This is it's a chance. Something that I like doing because he should be and is one of the most important players on the team. But we've all also seen exactly what you just described. So I don't know. It's 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 a, it's it's really a no-win situation because if you start him and he does and he does it again, everybody's gonna say, "Well, should have seen this coming." If he doesn't start him and they're flat, it's like, "Well, you've only got an inform." Young winger on your bench is, is, you know, because people are like that. People are going to let, and I know Goriola doesn't care one bit, but people are like that. And he's going to get pilloried no matter what, unless one of two things happens. One, Sterling plays and has a great game. Two, Sterling doesn't play and they beat them up anyway. Those are the only two scenarios where this works out well for Guardiola, obviously. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. Liverpool is just I I I loathe this game. It's not good for my mental health. Let's, just... let's talk about our feelings over this game. Um, my overriding feeling right now is that I really, really, really hope that he doesn't do what he did in the Champions League and overcompensate again. Just do what you do. Go at him. If you lose, you lose. 
but you cannot compromise on this. No, it's just, I think their best shot is playing the way they know how to play. And, um, and that's it. You know, I don't, you know, all this tweaking that he did in the Champions League last year, it has not worked. It didn't work at any point last year. It didn't work. It definitely didn't work in that game. Um, so, you know, just, just do it. I would rather lose going out guns a-blazing than, you know, than witness what we witnessed in, at the first leg at Anfield last year. That's where I'm at. Go in tentatively, get blitzkrieged, yeah, and spend, like, the tie's and over. Just pass it around and get control. No, screw them. Go. Go get, go, go at them. I, it's just, I don't know. I, maybe this is naivety on my part, but I, I just, I just feel like, you know, and I fear that we're going to get a very agitated Liverpool on the back of what was without a doubt their worst performance of the season in Napoli. They were awful. They looked nothing the part. But we all know what they're capable of. And right now, their front three isn't really producing. They're out of form, which feels like it's coming at the right time, but also feels like it could be a giant trap. I don't know if you feel the same way. It could be. I mean, I mean, we're actually looking at the media starting to be, has Salah lost it? Is he the same player? And it's like, well, I mean, that's a bit premature. But he is out of form right now. Um, on the other hand. It's stunning to me that, do you know how many shots Liverpool mustered in that Napoli game? How many? Do you want to take a guess? Was it like? Three? Close. So very close. Oh, tell me, please. Four. I get a point for that. You do. You do. Not all of four. Points, but a point. Four. They put four shots off on Napoli compared to Napoli's. I didn't see the game, but from what I've gathered, they just weren't a threat. And Napoli got off 14. And, and that's not even the best Napoli team in recent years. Angelotti's a good coach, so. But, yeah, I mean, that and the fact that against Chelsea, they were okay, but they weren't great. They drew. They needed a wonder goal to draw. Um, and then they actually lost to Chelsea in the, in the Carabao Cup the game before, so they actually haven't won in a while. Yeah, so much for their, uh, yeah, the so much for their, off. yeah, their quadruples off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, I always want to be like Haven't Man you... United going out and Liverpool going out in the same competition just make me so very Man happy. United's most recent win comes only I think like four days before Liverpool, if you can believe that. They, I did not know that. Neither of them have won. A, I mean, and obviously we all know that United haven't won in an age and a half, but I think Liverpool haven't won since twenty second. Because they didn't, you know, because. Um, the weekend after that, they didn't win at Chelsea. They had the midweek Carabao Cup game before that, and then they didn't win at Napoli midweek this week. So they haven't won in two weeks. Whether that means anything, I don't know. They had a tough run of fixtures, and not that this won't be tough. should be tough. We should make it tough. But I don't know, man. This is a weird one because Liverpool are out of form, and you could see it going one of two ways. A, that continues, and we actually win for the first time since dinosaurs walked the earth at Anfield. Or B, they're mad, and they show it. And frankly, I, I could see it going either way. Yeah, I could see it going either way. I truly could. But... I don't have the kind of faith that it was going to allow me to get up on Saturday morning and think that City are going to get it done at Anfield. I'm like, come on, draw. Like, yeah. I've learned to set my sights, like, here, and then if everything, if anything else happens that's up here, great. Great. But I have learned to set my Liverpool sights a little lower. Yeah, I'm not going in there expecting a win. If they do, it will, might be the hi the uh, highlight win of the year. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's been since 2003, which is mind-blowing. But it's just, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know. 
I, I'm not going to sit here and make. This is so hard to predict. I think a lot. I I think if 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 Tita plays, that's a big deal. She went off in midweek, but it doesn't sound like it was as, as serious as it looked at the time. Um, I was talking to a Liverpool fan about that, and he said, "Look, without without that, our midfield is Wijnaldum, Milner, and Henderson, and it's just a lot of passing the ball around aimlessly. We don't have the same intensity of press that they, right. they have without 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 Tita in the in the team." So that's something to watch, I think. And um, the mid, this is you're going to win it or lose it in the midfield. I I think that's what it comes down to. City lost the Champions League title last year in the midfield. Um, yeah, they did. They got bulldozed got in the midfield, in the- which is strange because you'd have thought that they'd have lost it up front with the yeah. prolific scoring that they had. Yeah, it's it's because they tweaked it and they set a midfield setup that they didn't weren't comfortable with, and Liverpool just they ran right through it. Okay, you know, we never get these right, but let me approach this from a different angle. What would you do on Saturday? 4-3-3. Three, three. So, you're, so you're going with a 4-3-3. Three, three. Who are you starting? Um, Aguero, absolutely. Okay. These are the games that demand... I'm more concerned. Game. I guess I'm more, I concerned more concerned about the, the back field. line. Yeah, well, <laughs> Laporte... I would go with Laporte and Mendy, honestly. Okay, I like that. My, I'm in. My okay. I'm not completely comfortable putting stones up against the, that front line, and I think the company you have to pick your, you know, it's it's not the same anymore. Um, if Mendy's fit, play Mendy. I don't know if he will be. No one else does either. Um, if if not, you're going to have to settle for Delph. And uh, right back is put as Kyle Walker picks himself. Um. Sané's a starter for me, absolutely. Aguero's a starter for me, absolutely. I'm saving the midfield for last. Um, you know, I would also start Mares, but I don't think it's going to happen. But that's my front three. And then in the middle, I think that, you know, I don't think, I think you're pretty much left with no option, but the Silva's in Fernandinho. It's more open than I'd like. But they don't, you know, I guess your other option is Gundogan. So you're going to go with Delph. Where? No, 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 excuse me. You're going to go with Mendy over Delph. If Mendy's fit, yes. Ah, no. No? No. Okay. I just, I, 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 I've not been overly impressed with Mendy right now. He is more attacking than he is defending. He does, and that's problematic for me. Like, and I know that that's what Pep wants, but Mendy is supposed to be one of the guys who was bought for his ability to get forward and defend. And defend. Like, Kyle Walker, it was just kind of assumed that Kyle Walker is definitely going to help you in defense because he can haul ass. So a lot of those plays that would have broke on the uh, Zabaleta Sanya side are now being run down by Kyle Walker. Uh, but how many times does Kyle Walker get rinsed and washed coming out the? Like he'll run the dude down and then the dude will nutnegging go around him. But hey, he ran him down. Um. I like I I know Kyle Walker is going to get forward more. I I like Delph. I've grown accustomed to Delph. Like Mendy provides a much better assist. Like I'm I'm genuinely surprised by how much separation Mendy needs to whip in a good ball. Like I truly am. And I'm not saying that in the sense of Mendy needs a crap ton of room to provide. No, it's the exact opposite. I'm genuinely amazed by how much space. You know, you talk about tight window throws in football. Mendy has tight window crosses like that's that spot is open for a half a second and he gets it off. It's out. It's gone. It's curling in. And and then you're like, how the hell did he create space that was on him? You know, I mean, he did as good a job as you can do with a guy. Mendy just got it off. And 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 I like that part of his game. But, that's, dude, that's not the only reason you were brought here. Like, I almost think if you're going to play one of those guys, you're better off playing three at the back. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. Fair, but I would also I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Because I think it just it hasn't Because it never works. It hasn't worked. Because <laughs> it never works. It hasn't worked. Um the heart of what I'm saying is go with what is proven to work. Maybe it right. won't here. Maybe it won't here. I fully accept that risk. But I just every time he's nitpicked and twiddled and tweaked for a big game. It's never worked. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. And I mean, sometimes they win the games, like the Capitol in the League Cup final last year against Arsenal, where he did the same tweak. And they didn't turn it on really until the second half when he reverted to form. But they won the game. But, you know, if you're playing Liverpool and you muck it up, you can be out of it in the first half hour. And we've seen that firsthand. So I just all this tweaking, it just it has not worked in these games. So just go with go with what you know. Go with you know. Again, maybe I'm being naive and I accept the risk. But everything else you've done hasn't worked at this damn ground. You might as well freaking go for it. And uh, who's the backup goalie these days? It's Murich, right? It's Murich. Keep Mane away from Ederson as much as possible. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was getting at here. <laughs> like, I'll finish it for you, yeah. Uh, I just went and saw Venom last night. Hmm. Do you care to give our listeners a review? Oh, well, actually, yeah. It was a lot better than I expected. And yeah, I guess I could kind of see that there were some elements of the film that went back to that 2003 era, but there were some scenes in it where I'm like, holy crap, this is PG-13? Like, dudes get their heads ripped off, you know? (laughs) Or bitten off, depending on how you want to look at it. And uh, first time that happened, I was like, all right, we're doing this. Um, It's kind of a buddy cop comedy. Like, he and Venom have this great relationship, and the banter between the two provides some of the best moments in the film. Like, just to give a small snippet that won't, won't, like, give anything away, right at the very beginning of the film, everybody knows the standard superhero uh, origin film plot by now, you know, uh, normal guy goes through some awful shit, uh, is subsequently, uh, given a power, uh, by some fluke of circumstance, and, uh, then he has to learn how to use that power before taking on, uh, the, the ultimate villain of the movie. And, uh, the very first time that Venom is, trying to use out his powers like Tom Hardy here is is hearing voices <laughs> and he finally realizes that this parasite that's in him is talking to him <clears throat> and uh, the mercenaries who work for the guy that uh, went to outer space and, and brought the symbiotes back uh, you know they're trying to track down this this symbiote and uh, and and Tom Hardy and they they catch him in his house, and you know what do you do when guys have guns on you? Hands up, right? <laughs> like that's that's pretty standard protocol. Hands up when somebody's got a gun on you. Um, but uh, Venom's just sitting there arguing with him, like, "Put your hands down." Makes you look weak. It's like, but they have guns, and he's like, "Yeah, but they don't have me." You know, <laughs> just want to sort of sort of one of those things like not afraid to call him a pussy, not afraid to give him a hard time. It's actually, I had fun with it. And I thought that the uh, end credit scene was something you could inject straight into my veins. Like, whew, so good. So damn good. And, uh, Look, it's probably a a 2.5 or a 3 out of 5, but look, man, you're not going to be disappointed. And and I, it's one of those things where it's it's fun, and that kind of outweighs the qual, you know, whatever quality 
complaints you would have about it. Yeah, and I don't, but, but here's the thing, though. I don't even think the quality was so bad. Like, my whole thing when I w- went into this is I was very curious how Riz Ahmed was going to transform into what you need to be to be a comic book villain. Because in order to be a comic book villain, you almost have to have this... Well, you don't. Like, you you need to picture Thanos. Just like, I don't care. I'm here for my mission, and that's what needs to be done. And I knew that he kind of had it in him based off his character in um, Jason Bourne. I don't know if you saw the Jason, the the latest Jason Bourne with Matt Damon, the last one that he did. Uh, but Riz Ahmed was sort of a the middling character in there who worked for a software company that the people who created the Treadstone project were demanding. They open it up to the government so the government could look at everybody's stuff, and like. He doesn't want to do that, but at the same time, he's already this far in, you know? So what he, I knew Riz Ahmed had that. He just needed to be pushed over the edge to the point where he was flippant and, and, and genuinely non caring. And I thought he did a good job. Really did. Michelle Williams always has that who farted look on her face, but I enjoyed her. I've always enjoyed Michelle Williams. I had a crush on her back in the Dawson days. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. This film is podcast recommended. Um, j- just to wrap this up neatly, since uh, uh, what would you do? How would you set this up this weekend for Liverpool? How would you set up the 11? All right. I would... Let me see. I mean, I guess you've won me over with the concept of four at the back. So uh, Walker, um, uh, Otamendi, Laporte, um, or excuse me, going walk going going right to left. I'd go Walker, Laporte, Otamendi, Mendy. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about Gundawan. I'm never sure how I feel about Gundawan. I feel like Phil Foden could be useful in this game. Yeah, that would be bold. Well, look, I mean, you've got David Silva. You're you're probably going to need to give Fernandinho help, but here's the problem. Last year, they used two defensive midfielders, and that basically allowed Liverpool to go through them like like a hot knife. Well, basically, like the Patriots went through the Colts. Um, I, I don't I don't really know what to do uh, in that midfield that that makes. I mean, obviously, you have to have Silva in there. How far away is De Bruyne from being back? Um, he keeps talking about the Derby, which I believe is the first week of November. So, probably another month. Okay. So, I mean, I wasn't saying that they should start him for this game. I'm just curious how much longer he's out. If it, even if it is another month, that would actually be way ahead of schedule, too. So, the guy, yeah, the guy I mean, is bionic. He is kind of bionic. Yeah, I, I definitely start Aguero up front. I'm starting Mares over Sterling. I'm putting in Leroy Sané. I'm putting in Mares. I think your front three up front's going to be uh, Sterling, Aguero, Mares. Um, I would actually have uh, Sterling on the left side, Mares on the right side. Um, then Fernandinho in the center of that park, obviously. David Silva going forward, and I would start Phil Foden. (laughs) Who else do I have in midfield that I'm missing? Because I don't want to start Gundogan. We've seen this happen. You could start Bernardo, but that would be very attacking. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you could start Bernardo, but I don't know how much that helps. 
Like, I think Foden gives you the best of both worlds. It's a 100% power move. It is. I almost kind of agree with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Do, do you think Foden has it in him to play in a game like this? Because at this point, this is where Foden is at. Well, he ain't going out on loan. Foden is a first-team Man City player going forward. He's 19 now. Is he enough of an all-arounder to cope with that press? That would be my question. Well, here would be my answer to you. The meme with Pogba. The animated meme with, with Foden and Pogba. Yeah. Right. Foden won that battle against Pogba. <laughs> so you don't think he can do it again? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying no. Um, but, um... They're going to do something bold either way, I think. Something controversial. Anyway, I don't have anything else to add here unless you do. Um, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I think I think for going in all different directions, we surprisingly stayed on task. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, man. I'm pretty, pretty much. So, so. Um, we'll be back next week to, to go through the the damage of whatever happens. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. You can uh, find us on iTunes. Are we sponsored by uh, the other people? Spreaker. Yeah. Uh, I haven't checked, so <laughs> we'll get on it. I just I just post them when they're ready to be posted. Um, so, <clears throat> otherwise, we'll be back at you next week. Until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you soon.